Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Brown Bag APAC. Uh, today's series or today's episode is going to go over Active Directory Domain Services. Going to cover a, a few things about what AD Domain Services is, a little bit about what goes on in the background and also go through some demos and if I get time recovering from a couple of issues. So I'm your host and presenter tonight, Brett Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrettJohnson008. So just before we get into the main content, we'll go through the quick notes. So if you want to follow anything V Brown Bag is doing, we've got a variety of Twitter handles you can see at the top, and anything we post will always have the hashtag hashtag V Brown Bag. Now we do have a number of different shows for and across various time zones. Um, each show is going to have a bit of their own style. The content's still the same, where we try to keep it all educational. And if you also want to see what we have been doing in the past, we do have the YouTube channel V Brown Bag, or you can follow us at professionalvmware.com or vbrownbag.com. Okay, so getting straight into it, domain services is one of the cruxes of the of a Windows environment, um, business environment. So you have your domain controllers which have the domain services role installed on them. So they're always got to be a Windows server. This is not something you can install on a workstation. So with once the role has been installed, and we will go through that through some demonstrations a bit later. Or so the role once the role is installed, it then gets the that server gets configured with um, to be a domain controller. That configuration is called a promotion. So they could just be a standard member server or not even part of the domain to start with, and then they get promoted to be a domain controller. So when they get removed as a domain controller, it's generally referred to as a demotion. Now, domain services provide a hierarchical structure. It's sort of like a tree. So if you think of how you do a directory tree, where you have your top, which would be the forest root domain, and then under that you have subfolders, which are subdomains or child domains and sometimes using different namespaces altogether. Now what this does is it allows you to store various objects throughout the domain and provide replication for things such as DNS, object security settings and also with it being extensible applications can also link into Active Directory, so into what's called the application partition of the database and use Active Directory's replication services to replicate whatever that is relevant for that specific application. Now, one of the big cruxes for domain services is it does require DNS. Everything is based on a namespace. So if your DNS is broken or has issues, domain services are going to have issues. So as a troubleshooting step, I think I actually have this specific in another slide later on, is if you have issues with domain services, one of the best places to check is DNS. Make sure that's working properly. So part of the domain structure is you have a forest, and within that forest you have domains. So in a forest you can have lots of domains, which are sort of like trees, hence the naming. And there'll be a image in the next slide just to help better demonstrate it. But you, so you start off, your first domain controller that you create for a site will be, or not so much a site, but for a, a client, for example, or an environment, will be the root forest, the root domain. So this could be, let's just call it test.com. So test.com would be my root domain. It would start right at the top. And in a small small environment, that may be all I have to do. But say, for example, I have a office in America and one in Australia, I could have us.test.com. So that would be a child of test.com. And I could have au.test.com would be another child of that uh, test.com. But in the same fact, uh, in the same instance, I could have a, from that same forest, I could have another domain with a completely different namespace. So it could be called vbrownbag.com. It's still part of the forest, but it doesn't follow that same namespace. So domains can have subdomains called child domains. And it's when you designate a domain control, you say, where where it's going to sit, so sort of what namespace is going to have. If it's going to be a child, you put that in there and you say the parent domain. Now, 
there can be trust between forests as well. So you can federate or do what's called a federation between forests and you can have one forest trust another forest. For example, if you have two companies merge, you can have both of those forests trust each other. Now these trusts can be one way or two way. There are there is actually a lot involved in trust. I'm just sort of skimming the surface. But at the base level, the basic concept is if there's a two-way trust, they trust each other completely. Information's shared. However, it's a one-way trust. You could have forest A trust B, but you don't necessarily trust B to A. So this is what a forest can look like, and this is just shamelessly stolen from TechNet. At the top, we have the forest route. So this would be sort of our first domain controller. From under here we could have a, so this would be our test.com and this parent child trust, this could be us.test.com and the one here in the middle could be au.test.com. So that's how we would have the parent child for different countries for example. And over here, this would be sort of if I had a vbrownbag.com as part of that. So it's not a parent child because it doesn't come off that original domain, but it, it is still part of that forest. And then under that, we could have its own, it could have its own parent child to something else. Now, there's a lot of little lines here. I mentioned before about replication, which is a big part of domain services or directory services. So there's some things that have to replicate. As we can see, we've got the configuration that needs to be consistent. So we need our configuration replicating as well as our schema. Now, our schema defines a lot of things, a lot of objects. Again, I think it's in about a slide or two, we'll go into that. Now, the other part is there's opera, op, uh, optional replication. So this is some applications will leverage directory services replication facility to replicate their data. Now these will generally have a scope of some some way. Depends like a lot of this depends on the application. So they may only replicate between a couple of domains and not everything else, and that's perfectly fine. They don't have to. So that application might have nothing to do with our vbrownbag.com domain over here. So we don't want it wasting bandwidth trying to replicate. Okay. So AD schema. So this defines the objects in a domain. So objects and their class and their attributes. Now, an object, the most common ones you generally work with are things such as users, computers, groups. They're object classes, and those classes have specific parameters and attributes, and then the objects you create also have attributes. Attributes, for example, for a user could be street address. Um, it's the username. It can be their email address. There's, And then you can get in and find more uh, classes, uh, more attributes as you go, and there are quite a lot. Now, if need be, the schema can be edited through Adsy Edit. This is one of those tools, it's available, it's installed. Use it when you have to, don't touch it when you don't have to. It does have the potential if you make changes to break everything, and changes made in Adsy Edit are replicated very fast. So a mistake can be quite costly. Yeah. Every domain controller you create does store a copy of the schema. This is required, and the schema is governed by the schema master. So updates to the schema or uh, applications that want to be part of the schema need to be controlled by a, um, a server with the schema master role. So, objects. Object types, as I mentioned, are defined in the schema. This is called the class schema. So other uh, there can be additional objects added, additional object types, but it sort of that's very much specific on your environment. Now the objects do have the attributes as part of the attribute schema, and again these just define things like as a base level users, username, uh, address, that sort of thing. So they're quite straightforward. And the examples of objects that it looks like I've already been through. Now, as well as being a domain controller, you can the actual domain controllers can have their own roles, and these are called FISMO roles, which is an abbreviation. And right now, I can't really remember exactly what it stands for, but it is an operations master role. 
So there's a couple of ways to view your the FISMO roles. The quickest way is the command net DOM space query space FISMO, and it will just tell you where those roles are held in the actual environment. Now, there's, when you create your first domain controller, it's going to hold all the roles, as all the roles need to be present, so being the only one, it holds them all. As you grow your domain, you need to put in planning of where these are going to lie and the best places for them. So there's the first two, the Schema Master and Domain Naming Master. These ones are forest level, which means there's only one of them per forest. So those ones you need to be very careful where you put them, make sure they're going to be accessible by everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next one, so the Schema Master, as I believe I touched on before, it controls the actual updates to Schema, any changes for it. It's very important. Now, the Domain Naming Master, this one holds the domain names of, like, uh, sorry, it allows for the additional and removal of domains in your forest. So if I want to add a new child domain or a new domain namespace, that's sort of where it would be. So if I was going to add au.test.local, that server that I'm adding needs to be able to contact the domain naming master to be able to do it. If it can't do it, too bad. So and you've probably got a lot of problems you want to start looking into pretty fast. So the PDC emulator, it allows backwards compatibility for older servers who from back in the day when you used to have a PDC, so a primary domain controller and a backup domain controller. The, from the introduction of FISMO roles, those are gone and all the domain controllers are somewhat even, except obviously these ones are a little bit more even with their, if they hold the FISMO roles, or sorry, a bit more important. It is by default the main time server or the master time server on the domain. So this, one, this is one per domain you'll have. It'll also do things such as consistency checking for replication. Now, just touching on time, as I mentioned, there is main time um, main time server. Time is very important in a domain. You want all the computers, all the domain controllers, file servers need to have consistent time. So we, you can use external time sources, say such as. Um, uh, atomic clocks, that sort of thing, to ensure very accurate time. But the main thing is, across the board, time needs to be consistent. There's about a window, off the top of my head, it's about five minutes. If my computer says five minutes faster than a file server, it's not going to be able to access a file share. It'll get blocked as a security precaution. Now, the RID master, it, it holds the relative ID. So it hands these out to domain controllers. So when Objects have what's called a SID or a SID security identifier. Part of that is unique to every object. However, part of it is unique to each domain. And those pools are what's important. So if you want to add or move things between domains, that's where the RID master comes in. As the um, RID needs to change, it needs to be able to handle that. Now, the infrastructure master. Excuse me for one second. I should have brought a drink of water in. So it's responsible for updating references of objects in its own domain and in other domains. So it makes it compares the data, uh, the data with what's called a global catalogue, if and it needs to make sure they're consistent between the domains. So. <sighs> So global catalog. So what this does is it enables each domain controller. When you create a domain controller, you have to have at least one global catalog server. And as you create more domain controllers, it's you can select whether they're going to be global catalog servers. Now you're going to want one in each site at least. And if you have slow links, you do need to start to be careful of where you do it because they do replicate a fair bit of data depending on the size of your domain. So Hmm, I've got a typo there. A global catalog server will enable searches for two to. Wow, I really did type that one bad, didn't I? <laughs> it enables searches for all domains in a forest. So if I have a domain controller in 
one domain and I want to do a search on something that's in another domain, so again, the US and the AU for test.com. A global catalog server will have a partial copy of what's in the other domain and just enough to enable that search. Now, it has, um, so all the actual object types though, there are, oh, sorry, it does have a full copy of all the objects for your current domain, partial for other domains, and like I said, it's just enough to enable that search and allow cross-domain authentication. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on security groups, but there are a couple, three different types of security groups. There's your domain, local, global, and universal. Now, universal groups can cross domain boundaries, and they're stored on the global catalog servers. So if you want to use global groups, you're going to need to make sure your global catalog servers are um, reachable where needed. Okay, so sites. When you do a layer and you have multiple sites you can oh, like multiple offices that sort of thing you can control replication by using sites so for example within au.test.com i might have a melbourne site a sydney site and a brisbane site and i could control the way they replicate i can each site will have i can specify the domain controllers for those sites and when if i'm logging on in melbourne my Melbourne users will log on, they'll try to automatically authenticate to the Melbourne site, which is a better log on time than say they won't try to go up to Brisbane because they're going to have higher latency and possibly timeouts for that. Now, it also helps give a better representation of the actual physical layout. And for replicating as well, you can weight the links to say this is a slow link, this is a fast link, and it will help with the replication. So domains, they operate on a functional level. There is both a domain and a forest functional level. If you start at, say, uh, 2003 and go up to 2008 R2, for example, for your functional level, you can't roll back. However, you start on 2008 R2 and go to 2012 R2 or 2016 when that gets released, you can roll back. Now, they do, the functional levels, depending on where you started from, can allow some increased functionality. One, for example, would be Active Directory Recycle Bin, which was introduced in 2008 R2 functional level. So if I increase my domain functional level to that, I can then enable the optional feature recycle, um, Active Directory Recycle Bin. For example, if I was to act, accidentally delete a user, which I'm sure a lot of people have done before, including myself, and without a granular backup software, I could use the Recycle Bin to bring that back. Now, if you'd want to increase a functional level, all domain controllers must be at that level. So if I have a 2003 domain controller, I can't increase my functional levels above 2003. So it's one thing to keep in mind. Now, I've never actually had one go wrong for an increase, but you do need to keep in mind applications that might use, say, Kerberos or NTLM authentication methods for example to make to see if they're going to support the new functional level and some applications that do use AD as its base for replication through the uh, through the application partition they may require you to be on 2008 R2 for example um, and items such as exchange I know that does have some requirements for your functional level now, if you want to increase the domain functional level, the account you use needs to be a domain controller. And a for forest functional level, you need to be using an enterprise administrator account. Now, so a domain, a domain admin just quickly can make modifications to the domain they're a domain admin in. So if I'm a domain admin in audet.test.com, I can make changes, I can administer that domain, but I won't be able to do it, say, in us.test.com or test.com. However, if I'm an enterprise admin, I can do all three of them because I have forest, authentic, like a forest sort of level rights as such. Now, the domain functional level must be equal to or higher than the function uh, than the forest functional level. Now, there are, if you want to see what features are available in each one, what they bring, Technet does have some good articles, and actually they have quite deep articles on everything on briefly covering at the moment. So, DNS. 
as I mentioned at the start, it's crucial for DNS to function for your domain to function properly. Now, your DNS for your domain will replicate, you want it as an Active Directory integrated zone, which means it, it replicates with Active Directory, not as a standard .dns file with your primary, secondary and stubs zoning. So when you create your, you have the option when you install the Active Directory domain services and promote a server to a domain controller, you can then increase the, or you can then have the option to create it a, as a DNS server. Generally, I've usually put it on every domain controller I've put out there, but there might be sites bigger than what I've dealt with that that may not be a viable option. And we'll, we'll, I will go through some of the DNS stuff once we play with some domain controllers. <clears throat> so not all zones, though, have to be integrated with AD. So if I have specific zones that I create within my environments, I can just have the standard primary, secondary, and stub zones. But if I do choose to, I can integrate them with AD to take advantage of AD's replication. So when things go wrong, start with the basics. Check your connectivity between sites, between servers. Check your DNS. Make sure that's working. Windows Event Viewer has a great deal of information on what's going on in your domain, such as when a domain controller is promoted, if it has issues accessing certain resources. DC Diag is a great one. It, it's just a standard command line. If you can put a slash A out of it and get a very detailed report, and that will tell you, it will check things like consistency checking, its ability to access other domain controllers, the operation master, so the servers that hold the FISMO roles, it'll check if it's able to do that and give you reports, which then most likely in the areas you can just gonna jump on Google and find out what's going on. And NTDSUtil, so the main reason I put this here is if you have a domain controller that's gone down with, that holds a FISMO role, you can use NTDSUtil to seize the role. And I'm sure you'll be glad that's the end of PowerPoint because I'm not a fan of PowerPoint. Okay, so I've got here under VMware Workstation, I've got three main domain, uh, three possible domain controllers and a workstation. And we're just going to go through quickly the steps to install domain controllers and we're also going to see what happens when I break the environment. Hopefully been a demonstration, this will work properly. Most likely I will break something and it should be fun for everyone. Okay, so when we go through adding a role, this is like any other role, a file server, DNS, whatever it happens to be. And we can see it's going to install some management tools as well as the domain services. So we want to install that. Now, domain services can be installed on a core server. We don't need the interface. However, for the purpose of video, interface works a lot better. So installing the directory services of actual role doesn't require restarts on the server. When you promote it to a domain controller, it does require a restart. And I'm just going to kick these off too. So spoiler alert, these will become domain controllers. I might do that one by PowerShell. So if you wanted to do this by PowerShell, hopefully I remember off the top of my head. So if you do a get Windows feature, you can see all the features available. And the one we want is AD Domain Services. That. Alrighty, so this one has finished, and now we have the option to actually promote it to a domain controller. So this will be our first one. You now we've got three options here to an existing domain in a new domain to an existing forest. So this is where I was talking about we have the test.com and we might add vbrownbag.com for example. And now we want to create a new a 
a new forest. So this is going to be our forest root domain controller. Oops. Okay. Now we're going to leave. Uh, actually, we'll do a domain. So we'll do a functional level upgrade as well. Now, as I mentioned earlier, as I've selected the forest functional level, it will affect how low my domain functional level goes. So it's a bit like limbo. How low can you go? This is a DNS server. I need to have that available. And it's going to be a global catalog because it's my root one. It's also the first one you must have. A forest functional, uh, you must have a global catalog. Now, the domain services restore mode password, this is for when things go wrong and if you have to restore your domain services. The name sort of speaks for itself. So, if things are gone really bad and you need to do this sort of restore, this is what you need the password for. It's one of those passwords that put it somewhere safe. I hope you don't forget about it. So, the DNS server, we, there's no delegation because the domain doesn't exist, that's fine. The NetBIOS name in a second will fill out itself and we'll go from there. Now, on the previous one, on the options, there was an option for ARODC, a read-only domain controller. These are domain controllers you'd put in an environment you don't entirely trust. So they can't make changes to your domain. They can receive changes, they can't make them. Also, with the read-only domain controllers, you can specify who they can authenticate. Okay, so the domain, the database folder. So the domain services they use a database called ntds.dit. So I think it's ntdomainservices.dit. I can't remember what dit stands for. Yeah, anyway, and it all stores in that database. So we need to say where we want to put it, depending on the size of the environment or planned environment. If you're at this stage, it'll be planned. Depends on if you want to have it on its own partition or how big you expect it to grow. Sysfol will create or hold things such as policies and group policy objects. So this is where we want to put that. I usually just leave these as defaults. Now if we want to, and we're going to do this later on, we can see this is, if I was to do this again, I can copy and paste this PowerShell script. Now we can see the domain mode. So this is where we've changed the levels, the forest mode. NetBIOS name and I think test.com is right above it. There we go. So if I was to paste that into PowerShell, it would just do what we need it to do. So I'll go through now. I will get a couple of warnings, and one of them will also be about backwards compatibility. And the other, I believe, will be about DNS being the first domain. Not really a concern. You'll also get warnings if the domain controller has a DHCP address. Okay, so here we go. So, all right, so that's the one there. Now, I've never actually had to worry about it because I don't worry about NT4, so that's the one. And there's the DNS one. So again, can't be created as an authority parent. We're not really concerned. We'll see those come up again as it does its installation. All right, so this one has finished. There is a small warning here that Windows updates isn't enabled. That's okay, I'm on an isolated site. And we'll do the same here. Let's see if I spelled that right. So we've almost finished the installation, so that will restart. Now the only change is these, all these servers you're seeing here are base installs. All I've done is set up the networking. So standard networking setup and to where they point the DNS. Now this is one of the important parts of the DNS servers. So if I don't have these right, when I try to promote this one, it's going to have some issues. So that was one of the few changes made to it. Okay, so that's restarting. 
And we'll just wait for that to come up. Just taking longer than I wanted it to. And we'll also have a workstation as well to show a domain, domain join shortly. I'm hoping most of you have done domain join so you'll know what to expect and be able to see what happens when a domain is not available. Or model points, certain FISMO role holders are not available because we're going to do something you really don't want to do in production. What's this? Okay, so now we've got the option as well to promote to a domain controller. Now, domain controllers do not have local user accounts. See, when you might set a local one with administrative rights to a server, say a member server for whatever reason that happens to be, um, say you've got a, an admin who just works on a, on a standard software stack that requires access to three servers, you might set them as a local administrator to those servers and want to appoint the group they're a member of to do it. With domain controllers, you can't do that. There are no local accounts or people who work on domain controllers are going to be your domain admins. So that's one thing you definitely need to keep in mind with this. So when we'll see when this comes up, I'll get the test backslash administrator account. The password that I set before is going to be the same. It's just converted to a domain account. Oh, come on. Uh, what did I say? Watch steak never boils or something along those lines. Here we go, so we're up and running. That took longer than I wanted it to, but that's okay. Okay, now, since that takes a little while to boot, we're going to promote this server here now to a domain controller. Now, we'll see as the DNS is all across, so I made a mistake, that should actually be able to contact test.com I'm hoping these are all set up to be able to there we go just took a little bit of time and we can see test.com now resolves to our domain controller's IP address refresh this and we'll get a little warning okay, so if we wanted to add a new domain controller add a domain controller to a existing domain fantastic test.com now we need to use a domain account to create a domain controller And you'll see most of these steps are fairly similar. We can also specify sites now that this is there. So default, that's the site. And we're going to leave this as global catalog. We're going to leave a lot of these as defaults, but you'll see this is very similar. Now we can do installation from media. It's not a topic I'm planning on going on to on this. And we can also specify the domain controller to replicate from. So this is if I've got two domain controllers in one site and one over in yonder, I can specify to make sure it definitely comes, it replicates the data from the closest one, lowest latency. And again, install domain controller. So this is a bit different to the other one because we're not doing a forest. This is install a domain controller. So it's going to get the credentials, which is done. Database, path, all these settings that we've seen here. But I could copy this and paste this directly into DC3 and away we would go. Now that's not my plan for DC3, so we're not going to do it, but we can. We'll get our prerequisite check and as long as it's all good, it's all good. Now, I mentioned before about finding out where the FISMO roles lie. So if we did a 
netdom query fismo. We will see that this server holds all the fismo roles. Now we can also go to things such as sites and services. Wrong uh, one, domains and trusts. We can also see it in here. Operations master, there we go. So this is one of the areas now. I usually check it via, via um, command line to actually see it. So I'm a bit, a bit hazy when it comes to checking it through the interface. Now on DC2, I could hit change and that will change that to DC2 because it's already, this is DC1 is already there, but it's going to get an error. That's perfectly fine. I'll install that and let that one complete. Okay, now I mentioned before about objects and attributes, so we'll go through that quickly. So. To see attributes, one of the easiest ways to demonstrate this is through AD users and computers. We'll go advanced features so we can see the attributes for each item. And you'll see that there are, there it is. So this is the type. So this is our class. So the class is a user, which allows for certain attributes, certain settings, that sort of thing. So all these here, I'm going to call this Bazaar. And we'll go into attribute editor and we'll see there are a lot of attributes here. Now each one of these can be changed and there is Bazaar. Now say Bazaar needs a new name. It's going to be Loza. Okay. Made the change, Loza. And just to pick on Malhoit, we're going to make it Loza Malhoit. And we will see here, there's Loza, and somewhere down here we will see Malhoit. It'll be, there's one of the great filters. Ah. Uh, it looks like it's, it's trying to define me at the moment. There it is, surname. Now, they're not always in order and they're definitely not in order of what you'll see in the interface, but you will see here there is a lot. So I've got the GUID. So these are a few of the unique identifiers. And when I was created. So there are a lot of attributes there. Now these are just the ones that are set. And then these are the ones available. So as you say, each, and this is just a user object, and so object can have a lot of attributes which give you a good definition of what they are. Now, hopefully that's restarted. I mentioned about sites before. So I can go in here, I can refresh, and we can see this is now another site. So sites aren't something I want to touch in too much, but we can see we've got two domain controllers in the default first site. And on each domain controller, we will see that there is DNS. And the first DNS entry is going to be relative to our name. And if we created an object here uh, called Sid, and it's going to go to 192 add host. And we will see that these sort of things replicate rather quickly between the two. While I wait for that to load up, you'll also see that this is an Active Directory integrated zone. So that's how you can tell if it's going to actually go across with AD. Now, when these reloads, when that reloads, that will come up. I think I'm just being a bit impatient at the moment. All right, so everything's gone well. We've got two domain controllers up. 
all is well. And we've got our FISMO roles. We can see we will see that where all those FISMO roles lie by running the same command on our DC2. Eventually. There we go. Okay, so we've got our FISMO roles. So we can transfer them. We can transfer FISMO roles between servers. Uh, it looks like this didn't put all the management tools in, so through the interfaces. Not quite there, but that's okay. Remote. Just install these additional tools quickly. There we go. So, what are we looking for? Domains and trusts. So, as I mentioned before, we we couldn't see where the well, we couldn't do a change because I was doing a change to the one that to the domain controller always already was to change the operations mole, uh, role. If we click this, so we want to change. There we go. So if we want to change it, so we need to actually change which one it points to. Change that. Are we sure? Done. So if I was to run a FISMO now, check the FISMOs on the other server. Hmm. Much interesting, isn't it? Ah, the beauty of doing things live. There we go. So domain naming master, that's moved across. Fantastic. Event viewer was another one that I mentioned, is to see what's actually going on in the domain as a part of a troubleshooting. So if we check here, we'll see that you know, sysvol successfully replicated, and we'll probably see a warning here that it hasn't done the replication yet. So we'll see warnings, but though when something completes and it finishes, we'll see that the confirmation is there. So when checking the um, yeah, event viewer is also important, not just to check the warning going, I oh, know everything's on fire, actually check the information to see how it's followed up. And we can see here we've got replication connections. The master role. Yeah, the master role was done at the request of a user. We can see here, this is when I changed that operations master role, we can see the user that did it, and we can see that it was all gone through. And we'll see the exact same thing on DC1. Uh, that is bugging me that <laughs> the rest aren't coming through, but oh well. Now, I'm going to transfer the operations master role back to this server. Okay, so it's got an error. We must hasn't replicated properly. That's that's okay because what we're going to do now is we are going to shut it down and we're going to pretend that we've gotten rid of it. In fact, better yet, actually, no, we we'll, won't worry about deleting it just in case something's go really wrong. So, we've got our domain controller here. We'll make sure this knows where everything is. Because it's not part of the domain. And we'll make sure this can promote domain controller now. So, with that other server off, we should start to see a few issues appear. Now, being that this is the 
has one operations role. I'm not, I think group policy may load, but it may be one of those ones I can demonstrate. We can add a domain controller to an existing. I'll just quickly go through this. I probably should have copied that PowerShell. If I, we'll see if we get any errors coming through yet through Okay, so we haven't had any areas come up just yet now that we've shut down one that holds all the roles. Now we're starting to see this is taking longer. Group policy's now got an error. So we've got, this is the sort of thing that happens when we have a domain controller that's not working. So it can't find the domain. And even though this is, it's sitting on a domain controller and it has one of the FISMO roles, these are the sort of things we start to see happen when your functional, uh, when your, uh, when everything goes wrong. So say this could be that yes, the domain controller that holds those roles is simply offline. It could be that it's completely crashed. Uh, so we're going to go along the lines of it's completely crashed. So if that's the case, what we can do we've when we move that, that domain naming role, we ha we did it nicely. We said, hey, can we transfer this role? We're all good. Now, if it's offline, if it's completely broken, deleted, whatever it happens to be, you can't do that. You don't have that negotiation point. So you need to do what's called ACs, which is DC2 is basically going to say, I am the schema master. Not, can I please have it? Thank you for the role. Let everyone know. It's just, I am. So what we do is we use ntdsutil. And we we try to type our commands properly, which is sometimes harder than it looks. Okay, so I'll connect it to DC2. And we'll go back to Fismo rolling. So we use the command C's. Do we want to do this? Yes, we do. It will attempt to do a transfer before the Caesar, Caesar, seizure. And before it gets knifed in the back, no, wait, still referring to Caesar. Before it comes through, we'll, so we'll just wait a moment. Now we'll go through, unfortunately for this, we'll also go through this for each one. But this will seize the role. So it will try to contact that server and it will just say, no, can't do it. So it will then become, and then it will hold that role. And we'll see here, this one still can't do it. Um, uh, these VMs are slower than I thought they would be. Okay, so this would be our process. I think there'd be too much white space and lack of talking at the moment if I was to go through each one of these. There you go. It's unavailable, so this looks like it's a warning. Okay, so we'll see now. now it says, no, it does have a warning there, but or an error, but it's also not an error. So it can't contact DC1, that's fine, I've turned it off. So the transfer failed. That's okay. So it tells me that um, my server is well aware of five roles and we'll see here under the distinguished name, we will see that the schema master is sitting in, sits with DC2. So we know that's there. We've got the naming master here as well. So if I was to do another one, so I could do read master. And again, it's gonna go through the same process and it will just update What's at the bottom, it'll tell us it's done and we can move on and things will start to come up. So the seizure, uh, seizure isn't the nice way to do it. It's not the safe way. It's the equivalent of pulling the power cable out of your computer compared to going to start and shut down. So we can always do a transfer, but if 
everything's fallen, the sky's falling around you. These are sometimes the things you have to refer to. Now there was one other item that I mentioned before, which is adds the edit. So this is where you will actually edit the actual schema of your your um, of your AD database. So you you've got things like the configuration, that's your root of your domain services environment, and your schema. So if we connect it to schema, now that we have a schema master, we can see a lot of things. I'm not even going to pretend to know I know what pretty much any of these really are. I've never had to play around in here unless on support for something that's gone very wrong, and that's the way I like to keep it, because fat fingering, Anything like that in there can have a significant impact. Okay. So again, it's just one of those things. There we go. So this is completed. So we'll see down here, RID master DC2. And we can go on. We can do the infrastructure master. And we get the same message every time that it can't be found. So it says I can't find it and now I'm gonna see. So it's a bit of a bit of a fail safe in case someone's like, ah, just seize it, just seize it, and they don't understand why you don't want to just seize it. And that pretty much covers everything that I had planned. I was gonna add the this to the domain and show that what happens with if it's down, but essentially if if this was trying to access it before we seize all these roles, it will simply say it can't find the domain or the domain controllers and won't work. But hopefully if you've actually got issues with your domain, like in in the idea of the controllers aren't available or your FISMO roles aren't available, you'd be looking at those before trying to add other things to it and you should have some sort of alerting to let you know what's going on. And we can see we're rebuilding quite a, we've got a lot that's going on in here now. Okay, and that's Pretty much every, here we go. Okay. So these are the other sort of um, events. Sorry to get a bit sidetracked. It's like seeing a squirrel. So this is the other thing with Event Viewer. It's going to tell you when DFS replication doesn't work because it can't contact a domain controller. So it's those sorts of things. That's why I can't stress enough. Just when something goes wrong, check your logs and go from there. PVC. Okay. Now, that's everything I sort of wanted to cover with this. I may, in future stages, go over a bit more detail as more specific areas. I sort of just wanted to give a bit of a broad overview of what happens, but also really focus on when things go wrong. There are a lot of ways to recover, and sort of also just give you an idea of what the components are. So if something does go wrong, you have a good idea of where to start and understand how important it is just to check the basics, your DNS, your event logs, and that even in the instance of a domain, a domain controller going completely dark, that sort of thing is fairly good. The harder parts to recover from is when there's actual corruption in Active Directory, and that's when you need to do things like, or you may find yourself needing to do things such as um, Active Directory stores and, and that. So. I hope you got some value out of this and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you've got any questions or want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at BrettJohnson008 and also the um, any other podcasts we do will be on our YouTube channel at vbrownbag or also on our website vbrownbag.com. Thank you for joining me and I'll talk to you next time.